0: Welcome back into the Motivated Mompreneur Podcast. Joining me today is Teresa Harp of Time Tamers. We are going to have a fabulous conversation about the elusive 24 hours of time that we have in our day and just strategies to overcome procrastination and all of the things. So Teresa, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me on. I'm pumped for our conversation. Yes,
0: it's gonna be so good. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about yourself who you are, what you do, and who you help. All right, so,
1: my name is Teresa Harp. as you said, I am technically still a speech language pathologist. That's sort of how i got that's how I got started when I was working um and I have four young kids. And as I was growing my family and I was trying to grow my private practice, I found that it was a lot harder to juggle, air quotes, all the things than I had originally maybe experienced. And it led me down a path towards uh, certification for becoming a life and productivity coach. And so now I work pretty much exclusively as a life and productivity coach for busy moms who are running businesses. Most of them are business owners themselves and are trying to figure out how to manage their time in a way that they can spend it doing the things that they love
0: while still having time to do all the things that they have to do as well. Love that. So for those of our listeners that aren't familiar, what is a productivity coach? Yeah. I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there
1: about what a productivity coach is. I'm so glad you asked that. And I think different people will give you different answers. And I've seen this look very different within the field, but what I typically do when it comes to coaching product on productivity is we first look at what is your definition of productivity. What does that look like for you individually? And we do that in our coaching sessions. And so for me, my philosophy is that productivity is not necessarily about getting more things done about how to get all the things done. Even it's really about how to spend your time doing the right things, knowing that
0: the right thing is going to look different for every person. Ooh, that's good. Because I think so many times we do, we get that misconception that, okay, productivity, it's about getting more and more and more and more done. But in reality, as moms, and you totally get that, you've got four kids, you're working, you have the business. Like, if you're trying to squeeze even more into your already busy schedule, (laughs) you're not going to be productive no no matter what you do. (laughs) It's like,
1: stay away, stay away.
0: I don't want that productivity coaching thing. I don't want more things to do. I don't want to work faster and harder, no. Right, but spending your time the way you want to be spending it, the things you want to be doing, which is incredible. So let's dive into, all right, so the busy mom, which I think we can all relate to, you know, life is just chaotic. How do we get out of the habit of procrastination?
1: Where do we start? So good, Amy, especially this month in particular, procrastination has been like top of mind for me because we're doing a challenge in my Facebook group on procrastination and tackling things that you have been procrastinating and I've done a lot of episodes on my podcast about this, my husband always says, you're always thinking about procrastination. And I'm like, well, it's just so fascinating to me because there's so many different ways that you can look at it. And what I think is really important for people, for moms in particular to understand is that procrastination really is an emotional experience. It's not a lazy experience. And so many of us seem to have this shame attached to procrastination. And we think, oh, I never did this thing. I haven't started that thing. And I keep putting this off. And they think that there's something wrong with them. They think that it's because they are lazy or because they haven't been motivated And so I like to look at procrastination from the place of, well, what are the underlying thoughts and the underlying emotions, feelings that you are avoiding by procrastinating, by not doing the thing that you think you
0: should be doing? That is so valuable because it is, it's that emotional context. And then We get a lot of those bad emotions. We feel guilty. We feel lazy. And then you just, you get so overwhelmed. You don't even want to start then. You don't have that drive to start because it's overwhelming.
1: Yeah. And I think too, it's not just about the emotions attached to that, to that idea of procrastination, but it's also about the emotions that you think are going to come up when you're doing the activity that you're putting off.
0: Oh, that's a a lot of times. Yeah.
1: yeah, We look at like patterns. There's oftentimes patterns of procrastination. And a lot of times we procrastinate the things that we think are going to be challenging for us. The things that we think are going to take a lot of energy, the things that maybe we're scared to do, we're uncomfortable. We think we're not good enough to do, or it's going to be a lot of extra steps and extra work. So we, we're avoiding this feeling of maybe discomfort or this feeling of fear or inadequacy. I mean, all sorts of different emotions that we probably aren't even aware of on a conscious level, but are happening subconsciously. And that's what's keeping us stuck.
0: Oh, that's good. That's really good. You know, it's a, I love how you kind of reframed it from, your know, society's take on procrastination to, no, let's dive deep. Let's see what it really is. What is that that holding you back? What is that one action item? So what steps can we take then to get out of that procrastination loop when we know, okay, I'm a procrastinator. I don't even know where to start though.
1: Yes. Such a good question. So I think there's a lot of different steps that you can take. And a lot of this is figuring out what works for you as an individual, right? Because we all have different brains and we all have different, you know, personalities. But I think one of the biggest starting points is looking at what those underlying thoughts and beliefs are, like get very specific about those emotions And becoming more aware of them, because like I said, many of us aren't even aware of them. So bringing that awareness up to the forefront and saying, okay, what is really going on here? When I think about doing this task, for me, I work with a lot of speech pathologists who write reports, and that's something that we all often procrastinate. So for example, when you think about writing this report for your job, what do you, what what emotion comes up in your body and what thoughts go through your brain oh this is going to be so much work oh i don't know what you know to write in the recommendations or oh i don't know if i really got all the information during the evaluation so i don't know if my report's going to be good enough oh, everyone's going to read this. It has to be perfect. And these are the things that are happening in our brain, like rapid fire that we aren't even realizing until we stop and listen that they're there. So once you address those thoughts, you become aware of them and you address them, you can start to dismantle them and work through how to take those next steps.
0: Ooh, so good. And Gaining that awareness, It can be really uncomfortable at first when you get quiet and start to realize these stories that we're playing in our minds. So what do you recommend as a step to start to dismantle some of those those stories we're telling ourselves and be able to work through it?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. There are so many stories that we tell ourselves. So once you've identified what those stories are, I like to ask my clients, okay, well, is this true? Like we just start there. Is it actually true that you don't know what to write? Is it actually true that you're everyone's going to be judging what you're doing? Or is that just what your brain tells you? Is that just what, you know, your human brain is thinking? So we start to dismantle them and look at, okay, fact or fiction. And then we start looking at, okay, well, what is, like, what exactly are you afraid of? So if they were to judge you, say, like, let's go there. Let's figure out what's the worst that happens. What's the worst that could happen in that scenario? Because, it could happen, right? We can't control those outcomes. And so sometimes we just acknowledge that, yeah, this actually might happen, but it's not going to kill you. It's, it's not going to, you know, you will get through that. And quite frankly, looking at the amount of time and energy that your brain is spending when you're thinking about the thing you haven't done. I mean, that is just such a time suck and an energy suck. Why not just start doing the actual thing so you can come through it and come out on the other side?
0: Mm, Yes. And I love how you just talked about that because that exercise in itself, questioning those stories, that is such a powerful exercise. Mm -hmm. I know for me, that was a breakthrough moment. Um, I had, I come from a healthcare background. I had worked in um, the PT field for 16 plus years. And for me, it was diving in and questioning those thoughts. And it was like, okay, w- what is worst case? And it's really not usually as bad as we think about, but we we push it to the side and we push it down and we just sit in it. And I would love to, for you to dive in more about just how much capacity this takes up of our brain to be able to function.
1: Yeah. You mean the procrastination of like how much that weighs on you? Yes, day to day? definitely.
0: And just takes up that space for you to be able to take action.
1: Absolutely. Because we attach meaning to it, right? So if we are procrastinating a task, we are afraid of how we're going to feel. And then we attach meaning Which is those stories that you're talking about? So then, then the story becomes: Well, now I am that thing. If people judge me about this, keeping with this example of reports, if people judge me on how I write that report, it means that I'm a bad writer. It means that I'm a bad therapist. It means that I don't know what I'm doing, and so we we make that connection of attaching meaning. And then that affects our self-concept. That affects how we show up in the world. That affects how we spend our time doing all these other things because we're doing these other things from a place of insufficiency.
0: I love that. That And that's so true because it, we do, we attach those meanings. And then it makes it that much harder to get out of that cycle. But once you've identified it, it gets easier. Yes. Yes, And
1: I, yeah. And I'd like to make sure with my clients, like we do a lot of internal work, but we also do a lot of external work too. And so what I mean by that is I like to say I blend sort of the mindset with the strategy. So we look at all these, all this mindset, all of what we've talked about, but I know that moms are busy and I know they're on the go and they're like, okay, I need results. Like we can look at the thoughts and the beliefs, but I need action. Like I need to actually do this thing, right? That I'm procrastinating. So we look at the mindset, but we also say, okay, what are some tactical strategies that you can take to help you work through the thing that you're procrastinating? So for example, maybe you set your timer And when the timer goes off, that's either when you start the thing you were procrastinating or maybe you start the thing you were procrastinating and set the timer and say, okay, I'm going to do it for 10 minutes. I'm going to do it for 15 minutes. So that's a tactical strategy that you can do that makes you feel like you're getting some momentum and helps you push through it. And there's all sorts of strategies that you can use. And I love talking about strategies. But I also make sure, I think it's so important that we're looking at the underlying mindset as well, because if you're doing one without the other, your success is going to be stunted.
0: Oh, definitely. And I love too, how you touched upon earlier, finding a strategy, finding a tactic that works for you, because some people, we're not all wired the same. I mean, there's some people that do so well with time blocking. There's other women that That's just even more of a stressor in their life. So it's all about learning those strategies and implementing what works for you. And I would love to get into a little bit more too. What are some tactical strategies we can use for time management when we're just running on empty, trying to do all the things? What strategies can you recommend for our listeners? Yes.
1: I love this one. Well, again, with the with the disclaimer, like you said, that everybody's different. We're all wired differently. So some of what I say might stick with people and then some might not. And that's okay. Take what works for you and leave the rest. But um, I like to make lists. I'm very big on making lists. So I will make a, a list of what I need to or want to do. But one thing that I do that's a little bit different is next to the list, I estimate ballpark how much time that task will take me or how much time I'm going to spend on that task. So if I have a really big project, I like to break it up into sub steps, the mini steps for that project. And then I would say, for example, all right, I know this big project, like I'm going to be working on this for a couple months, but when I make my to-do list with some of those sub steps, I'll say, all right, well, this sub step, I could start it today and spend maybe 45 minutes on it. It's not going to be done, but I'll know I have put 45 minutes into it today. And then I come back in the next day or whatever day, I'm adding that onto my list again. And maybe I'm budgeting a certain amount of time. It might be a little bit different. So it gives you some parameters of how long you want to work on something. And it gives you a framework. It also makes it be a little bit more achievable and help you feel it's a little bit more rewarding. Like, okay, I did this. I know it didn't get done, but I did this for 45 minutes. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And a lot of times too, it doesn't take as much time as we think it will. (laughs) Yeah. I run into that with myself all the time. I'm like, (laughs) I've been putting this off forever. I remember there was one year when I always do a photo book, like a recap of the year with all our family pictures. I just go online. I auto fill it in. I had procrastinated this gosh darn photo book for months. And I'm like, Oh, it's going to take me hours. And you know, the stories we tell ourselves. And then like that (laughs) summer, I'm like, why have I not done this yet? So what did I do? (laughs) I went online and it was done in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, literally like the brain capacity, the mental capacity, this stupid little book took up Right, just do it, you know? So that was nice then. All right, it's done. Guess what? I can go for a walk now or I can do, you know, just like, five minutes of something for myself, whether that's just some journaling yes. or deep breathing or just some type of little me time, because I had already blocked it out anyways. It was already scheduled. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're all guilty of it. So it's okay. Give yourself. We, some are, we all
1: do it. Right. Cause we're all human. It's just right. what our human brain does. The brain is like, no, I want to keep you safe. I, I want to keep you from doing something that's going to be uncomfortable. And in reality, like you said, we sort of wind up spending way more time worrying about it or thinking about it than we actually spend doing it. So from a time management and a productivity standpoint, it's like, oh my gosh, of course, let's get this done because it's going to save us time in the long run. So I love that. And I also love that you mentioned like, oh, I'll go for a walk after and, you know, just building in little rewards. So that can be for things that you like after you do something you've procrastinated, but it could also just be as used as a time management strategy. So as you're planning out your day or however you do it, however it works for you, building in that time for yourself. And I like to really encourage moms to start there. So say, okay, what is the thing you want to do for yourself today or this week and putting it on the calendar. But I recognize that You know, for moms who are feeling so overwhelmed and aren't doing any self-care, that's a big leap to get there. So sometimes we just start with, all right, let's put you on the list or let's use this as a reward. And it helps to motivate you to use your time a little bit more efficiently and to maybe give you some of that momentum to do the things that are on the list that maybe aren't all that fun.
0: Right. Sometimes we need that little carrot dangling in front of us because oh, studies goodness. have shown it, doesn't it create a dopamine reaction, like a dopamine release? And dive yes. in a little bit about that, about, okay, there's actually science backing this. Exactly. Yes, that definitely happens. That's definitely true. It's research-based.
1: There's also reach research that says when you check those boxes off on your list, it gives you a little bit of that dopamine hit, which is like another reason why, hey, put yourself on the list, right? So just put your, you know, read a book or watch Netflix or go for a walk, put yeah. that on the list. And then you're like, all right, I got to do it. It's here. <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it. Well, and two, just be able to break tasks down, you know, when it seems so daunting, just taking that small little micro action of breaking it into those manageable five, 10, 15 minute tasks that, okay, instead of scrolling on my phone today, I am going to, you know, while I'm waiting at the bus stop for the kids, do this small activity that'll take me five minutes, unsubscribe from all those 50,000 emails that come in on lists that I've never signed up for, you know, just taking those little micro actions. I think that's so valuable that you, you mentioned that too. And then lastly, delegation, delegation is something we often as moms forget about and can be, it can be hard at first to Mm -hmm. delegate. Yeah. That triggers in itself some uncomfortable Mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings. So how do you see delegation as a positive thing in being a mom, in being a business owner? Why is delegation necessary?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. I think uh, it happens to us. It's challenging for us as moms. I think it's also challenging for us as business owners. You know, we tend to micromanage and we think no one will do it as good as we can. And I need to do this, or we tell ourselves we don't have the money for delegation. I like to think about delegation a little bit outside the box and probably... I think there might be listeners who maybe already are delegating things and don't realize it. So if you think about it that way, it might help women to feel more comfortable to delegate more things because it's evidence that, Oh, okay. I already am delegating things and I've survived so I can do more of this. So for example, I use Amazon subscribe and save for, I mean, just all of the things that we buy routinely. It's on subscribe and save. When my kids were in diapers, we had, you know, wipes and toilet paper, paper towels, shampoo, conditioner, vitamins. I mean, you name it, it was there. And then it's like, okay, I don't have to think about any of that. It comes on the clock and it's one less thing I have to do. So that's, That's delegation in and of itself, right? That's outsourcing. Um, Looking at, okay, what else can I delegate in a way that feels safe, knowing that it's okay if it doesn't get done the way I would do it. So I do this a lot with my kids. Now, I tend to be, naturally, I'm more of a type A micromanager. So this is outside my comfort zone and if anyone's listening and thinking like no 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 no, I hear you. <laughs> like I feel that way too.
0: Oh, me too. But
1: <laughs> what I realized was I could start delegating little things to the kids, put away the laundry, put the dishes in the dishwasher, you know, picking up your toys. I mean, we like to think that that that's the kid's job and they all do that. But let's be honest, we've all picked up the kid's toys. Absolutely. All of us. Right. So starting to delegate those things um, and realizing that what matters is that it gets done and it's okay that it's not perfect. It's teaching them independence. Right. And sufficiency and and all of that. And looking at what do you get on the other side of that delegation. So after you delegate something, what does it open up for you? Well, it opens up kids who now can do things on their own more independently. It opens up, you know, self-esteem for them. Maybe it opens up free time for you. Of course, it lightens the load for you. It gives you a little bit more emotional availability, energy, all of that. So really looking at, okay, what can I delegate? How can I shift my thoughts about delegation? And what are the benefits of it? Yes, nice. And
0: it's teaching your kids life skills too. Yeah. You know, if we follow them constantly, they're not learning these life skills, just such simple little tasks, and usually what I've found is it, it's hard for me to delegate to my kids too, because yes, I am a type A person. And when I see the silverware in the drawer going every which way, it drives me crazy, but I don't fix it. I'm just like, okay, you know, pick your battles. Yes. But they are <laughs> way more capable a lot of times than we give them credit for. My kindergartner started last year when she was in kindergarten, I had her start packing her own lunch. And, you know, some people are like a kindergartner can do that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would help her when she would need help. Like if she was making like a sandwich, if she needed help spreading something, but now she's a first grader and she can do it all by herself. Like she learned. Yeah. You know, there's some days there's jelly all over the counter and it's a mess, but again, it freed up that time. When also I love how you mentioned subscribe and save, because we forget Use technology, use automations, use these wonderful things that we have at our fingertips to help you, you know, just because yes. you've always done it one way, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing grocery pickup to save yourself the hour of going up and down the aisles, oh to get what and you know, just these little things, something like subscribe and say with, with your products that you're going to be going and buying anyways, on a regular basis. Well, guess what? They magically show up at your door. It's a beautiful thing. Let's take advantage of it. Let's stop feeling guilty for it and start using our resources that we have.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I love that your kindergartner made her lunch. And something that occurred to me as you were talking about that, um, that I think is worth mentioning is the return on investment, the ROI. So with delegation, sometimes it takes more time in the beginning. It might actually slow you down, like in that case with the lunch. But long-term, now she's making her lunch on her own. And so you've sped things up. And so the the ROI is a little bit slow sometimes with delegation, but it's so worth
0: it. Right. Exactly. And just... Figuring out what works for them. I mean, she was like you said, she was very slow at it at first. So instead of waiting Mm -hmm. till morning, we would do it the night before. So we had unlimited time versus, (laughs) guess what? You woke up, buses coming at this time. We have this amount of time to do it and get X, Y, and Z done too. But. Yeah. Just giving yourself some grace, doing it messy and just seeing what works for you and what works for your family is totally key. Such Mm -hmm. great value you shared with our listeners today. These are such tactical strategies that are easy to implement and will help you regain control of your time and get out of that cycle of procrastination. Teresa, where can we learn more?
1: Awesome. So I have a Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group for anyone who's interested in time management um, for busy moms. And that is called The Time Tamers. That's how you can find me on Facebook. I also have a podcast and the name of the podcast is The Time Tamers Podcast. <laughs> Pretty easy to find. It's available on all podcast platforms and I would also love to share with your listeners if they for anyone who in, who is interested I have a a planning workbook that I created for those who are really interested and excited about goals and planning and really looking at 2023 and all that it can be so I'm happy to to give you that link so you can share it with your listeners perfect
0: so definitely check in the show notes for all of the links Check out those amazing resources, the Time Tamers podcast, such valuable information. Teresa, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with our community.
1: Uh, Amy, thank you for having me on. This was fun.
0: It was. Until next time, stop dreaming and start taking messy action. You've got this. Are you loving what you're hearing? Do us a favor and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.